Some say that alongside this see-it-to-believe-it world is the shadowy realm of the supernatural. Sometimes the residents of that dimension touch us, and in one moment, our lives are changed forever. America's Lady of Supernatural Thrillers, Mary Ann Pohl, is your real ghost chatter host. On this podcast, you'll hear stories by real people who have seen real ghosts. Once in a while, Mary Ann will podcast a tale taken from the genre she loves best, the supernatural. Welcome to today's Real Ghost Chatter episode. I'm Marianne Paul, America's Lady of Supernatural Thrillers, a charter member of Author Masterminds, and your host on Real Ghost Chatter. If you're enjoying Raven's Cove and would like a signed copy, you can purchase it or any of the other books in the Iconoclast series at www.maryannpoll.com or you can look it up on Amazon under Mary Ann Paul. The last name is P-O-L-L, not P-A-U-L, and you should be able to find them there. Here's the next few chapters from Raven's Cove. If you are at home, grab your favorite drink, settle into your favorite listening spot. If you're on the road, please stay safe. In either event, enjoy. Chapter 31, The Trap. Kat opened her eyes and caught a glimpse of something at the top of the path. Maybe it's evidence and would help reveal the killer's identity, she thought. She snuck away from the group. She knelt and admired a glowing purple and black arrowhead. The glimmering colors enraptured her. How do you make the colors so beautiful, she murmured. The speed of the changing lights quickened in response to her question, and a soft, melancholy tune emanated from the little treasure. Kat smiled. How pretty you are. Something niggled in the back of Kat's mind, something trying to remind her of danger. The rock's enchanting hum clouded her thoughts. The fear of danger melted into the beautiful, sad tune. The multicolored hues quivered to its beat. The hag tree rustled. Cat looked up, attention diverted from the beautiful colors and music. The tree swayed, invisible leaves tinkling in rhythm with the melody from the arrowhead. Cat glanced at the downward path. She hesitated. Not a good idea to go down there alone. She peered further into the murky darkness. More hag trees flanked the narrow walkway, each an exact replica of the one at the entrance. They're shining. The cloned hag trees sparkled and swayed in time with the music. They created glittering specks of purple and yellow. She stood entranced by the strange and wondrous sights. They look so beautiful and yet so ugly, she thought. She took a step forward to get a closer look. The rustling grew louder. Pet, who longed to cut her and take her, instead throbbed a calming beat in her hand. The throb sent vibrations up Cat's arms and down her legs. She could feel the tune as well as hear it. Cat swayed, then danced to the music. She looked back. The others were still deep in prayer, oblivious to this amazing phenomenon. She returned her focus to the ravine opening. The hag trees illuminated a once invisible doorway. Yellow strings dripped down its sides, reminding her of icicle lights decorating houses at Christmas. I have to touch them. Cat took another step onto the ravine path. Pet quickened the thrumming in approval and his music grew louder. Cat looked at the beautiful arrowhead. 
an okra aura surrounded her hand, yet under Pet's spell, she observed it as a bright gold and emerald green. I have never known anything so beautiful. The trees and archway at the bottom of the ravine path alternated their hues to match the changing tints on Pet. The colors brightened each time Cat advanced on the trail. The angel Uriel shouted, Josiah, into his mind. Josiah jumped to his feet and peered through the darkness. He saw nothing out of the ordinary. He searched again. There, Josiah noticed a dim mustard beam laced with a sickening purple glowing in the ravine. He watched the light grow in intensity. The two pulsed and swirled, moving faster and faster until they collided into a macabre swirl. The ochre and purple funnel filled the ravine and blocked the night sky. No, Lord, no, he cried. Bowed heads jerked up and turned to Josiah. He pointed toward the pulsing funnel cloud above the ravine. The fifth victim is close. Not possible. We would have heard or seen anyone coming, Ken answered. Grandma Bricken looked to her right. Fear filled her heart. She grabbed Ken's hand and squeezed. Ken followed her gaze. He saw the empty space where Cat once stood. Alarms shot through the small group like a clap of thunder. Cat, Bart yelled. Cat, please answer, Paul hollered. Oh my lord, Cat, 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 Grandma yelled. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, Grandma Bricken dropped her cane and ran like a young deer toward the ravine. Josiah, Bart, Ken, and Paul ran up beside her. Jesus, help us, and Jesus, please help Cat, Paul Lucas pleaded. Halfway down the path, Cat hummed and picked up imaginary leaves from the hag trees. A bright orb dropped in front of her. Ouch! Cat shielded her eyes. Raphael stood between Cat and the opening to the pit. Stop, Katrina Agnes Tovzlaski. Cat came to a standstill. I don't want to stop. See how pretty my treasure is? She held Pet up to Raphael. It is not beautiful. What you mistake for beauty, Katrina, is a being bent on your eternal destruction. Cat craned her neck to the right, then left. Rats, I can't see around this thing surrounding you. She stomped her foot and tried again to peek around the wall of the light. She let out a heavy sigh and sat down, confused. Raphael waited. Unless this lost but beloved child of the Most High ordered him to leave, he would stay. Cat looked up at the angel. You are tall, she observed. Raphael towered above the hag trees, which stood more than eight feet high themselves. Really tall, she said. Pet went silent, hiding from the warrior of God. As Cat's confusion grew, he became bolder. Go away, Raphael, Pet hummed. Pet hummed loudly in hopes of breaking the being of light's tentative hold. The angel scrutinized the purple and black arrowhead in Cat's hand. Katrina, you should drop the stone. It has confused your thinking, your emotions. Cat looked down at the small, beautiful jewel. She stroked its rough surface, then tightened her grip like a vise. No, I found it. It is mine, she said, staring with defiance into the angel's eyes. It makes me feel better. You do not. In fact, now I feel sad. You are the bad one here. Go away. Raphael looked upon Cat in sorrow. So be it. He shot up like a rising star in the darkness. Cat stood. What if he was right? He isn't. A resonant warm voice answered from inside the ravine. The archway glittered and the hag trees swayed. No, he isn't right, Cat agreed. 
Kat resumed her singing the melancholy tune which served as her death march. She took another step forward. Chapter 32, Into the Ravine Elise Bricken walked onto the ravine path. Whoa, Kenneth grabbed her arm just as she lost her footing. Thank you, young man. The rest of the group stood in a semicircle around her. The smell of decaying corpses assaulted their senses. Kenneth looked into the ravine and saw a black void. Josiah looked into the ravine and saw a crystalline plume streaking toward the heavens. In the waning brilliance, Josiah was sure he saw the silhouette of a woman. In the waning brilliance, Josiah was sure he saw the silhouette of a woman. She's down there. Bart stared at Josiah. You're seeing things, old man. It's black as midnight down there. Ken nodded agreement with Bart. I know what I saw, Josiah shouted. Elise laid a hand on Josiah's forearm. I believe you. We must go or she is lost, Josiah said and headed to the ravine opening. Elise released a determined breath and took a step forward. Again, Ken grabbed her arm. Too steep? I must go. She pulled her arm loose. Not by yourself. Ken offered the crook of his arm. Look at me, Kenneth Melbourne. Am I holding my cane? Do I look like I need your help to stand? No, I'm going after my granddaughter. As for you, this is the greatest danger you have ever faced. Are you willing to lose your life to save Cat? Are you willing to lose your soul? Because this is what we are facing, life and death and eternity. So are you. Ken never thought about dying. He liked living. In fact, he thrived on the thrill of each day. So am I willing to die tonight? He looked into Elisa's challenging eyes. The answer surprised even him. If Kat's in danger, yes, I'm going to save her or die trying. She's gotten under my skin in a way no woman ever has. She is a puzzle I want to solve. It makes no sense, but I could be. No, I am in love with her. I'm going with you. We're all going, Elise stated. Remember, safety in numbers. We can't all go, Bart said. The path is too small, and it is no place for you. I'm going, Bart. That's my Katrina, and I need to get to her. Bart sighed. Auntie, I would give you the world, but I want you to stay here. He lifted her arm and placed it on Paul's. Don't let her go down there, Bart instructed Paul. Go get your cousin, Paul squeezed Elisa's shoulder. Bart pulled his flashlight from his belt. The shaft of light illuminated a few inches at a time. The darkness absorbed the rest. He wiggled a thin, dead willow trunk free from beside the path to use as a walking stick. Bart and Ken started down the path, single file, slipping on rocks, ripping clothing on trees and shrubs cloaked by the dark. The humming ceased. The ravine fell dead silent. Cat, Bart yelled. Cat, are you down there? Deep-socketed, hollow eyes stared out from behind the hag trees and brush on the left of the path. Hundreds of eyes joined in and watched every move Bart and Ken made. Ken looked back over his left shoulder. He could not see where the path began. I can't shake the feeling we are being watched. Me either, hoping it's just nerves, Bart answered. Heavy air filled the ravine. Only the men's labored breaths disturbed the eerie silence. Elise watched Bart and Ken disappear into the darkness. I will not stand here and do nothing. Josiah squeezed her arm. He knew what awaited Ken and Bart. We can pray, be of good cheer as the Lord says, and believe. He has overcome the world. Elise nodded and knelt. Josiah and Paul followed her lead. Elise prayed, We are but a small spiritual army, Lord, but we are your army. 
Please send your mighty angels to help us in this battle. Make us as strong as any the earth has seen by fighting this battle for us. The world is one person away from being destroyed. Please help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Cat stopped advancing to the archway and listened. Cat, where are you? Ken yelled. Kitty cat, answer me, please, Bart hollered. Cat opened her mouth to answer. Pet hummed louder to drown out the voices. She swung away from the dark opening. No, turn back. You will find rest once you go into the cavern. Go to your destiny. Cat hesitated, then turned back to the doorway. Chapter 33, Against All Odds. Bart made slow progress, fighting back the overgrowth on the path. It returned as quickly as he knocked it down. Richard Pantino materialized and grabbed for him. You are a loser will always be a loser, he chanted. Bart barely managed to sidestep the fleshless fingers. You stupid fool, you're in my world now. I can and will take you. Pantino shot forward. The twins, ghosts of Jonathan and Joseph Northen, materialized between Ken and Bart. We love fresh meat, they said. You have to be better than those tiny ravens would have been. They moved in on Ken. Ken willed his feet to move, to run. They didn't. Lightning flashed before Ken and Bart. Uriel appeared. The twins and Pantino sizzled and evaporated into the path. Bart and Ken fell to their knees, shaking. Bartholomew Nelson Anderson. Kenneth Charles Melbourne. Do not be afraid. I am Uriel, an archangel of the Most High. You have mighty prayer warriors interceding for you against this immutable evil. Our Lord, Jesus Christ, has heard their prayers. He has sent me to aid you. The evil spirits here will trouble you no more. The evil in the ground will trouble you no more. I will open your eyes to the spirit world, but I cannot intervene with the one named Katrina Agnes Tovzlowski. She has free will to make her choice. You are her hope. Go to her. The brilliance dimmed. The path lay bare of underbrush everywhere Uriel's fiery light touched. Ken shook his head. Bart? Yeah, I saw it. You okay? Yeah, physically anyway. A short laugh escaped Bart. Ditto. Seems our little group's praying. I've never been one for talking to God, but I might start, Ken said. An eerie song floated on the dead air toward Ken and Bart. There's a summer place where it may rain or storm, yet I'm safe and warm. Ken stared at Bart. Yeah, I heard it. It's Cat's voice. Almost didn't recognize it. Me neither. The tone is both airy and dead. Bart pointed. There she is. A spine-chilling cat look-alike faced them, yellow glinting from her eyes. She talked to a pitch-black rock in her hand. Do you see what she's holding, Ken? Ken squinted in an effort to focus on the ink-black arrowhead. Purple tendrils snaked upward from the sharp rock. Long, misty fingers shot out from the semi-transparent cords and circled Cat's head like a dirty halo. It's got arms. It's holding her head. Cat, Ken called. God help us, Bart said. Katrina, drop the arrowhead. It's a demon. Drop it now. Cat tried in vain to look up from her newfound treasure. The spirit world enveloped her, breaking her will. The more she beheld this beautiful arrowhead, the more it drew her in. I feel so good, so relaxed. I never want to feel fear and anxiety again, never. I don't want to go back, she said. You don't have to, Pet pulsed in reply. Cat! Ken this time. Who was that? 
She felt a tingle of excitement but couldn't remember why. She lifted her eyes from the stone, saw nothing, and returned her gaze to her new friend. What's your name, she asked. Pet, it responded. Why does that sound so familiar? Have we met before? Maybe in your dreams. I have been waiting for you a long, long time. But my master has been waiting for you even longer. We should get going. He is not a patient one. Okay. Katrina Agnes Tovslowski stopped now, Gart yelled. Cat, no, Ken screamed. Cat continued her journey down the path. Josiah slipped away from Elise and Paul. Your will, not mine, Lord, he said, and grabbed hold of the underbrush beside the ravine path and descended caution in every step. He hadn't gone far before Miggy appeared before him. Leave now, old man, or I'll take you to Iconoclast. He'll eat you alive. Fear grew inside Josiah as he looked into death's, no hell's, eyes. He shook himself. Be gone, evil one. You have no power over me. I am the Lord's. Angered, Miggy lunged forward, teeth bared. Josiah stood his ground. The Lord Jesus Christ rebuke you, Josiah yelled. He thrust his arms forward. Miggy fell backward, mouth agape, fury on his eyeless, bloody face. Josiah bowed his head. Thank you for the victory, my Lord. Amen, Elise and Paul answered. Josiah turned and smiled. So be it, we go as one. So be it, they responded. Bart and Ken stood helpless. Neither knew how to prevent the woman they both loved, in different ways, from heading through the ravine archway. How do we get her attention? I wish I knew, Ken answered. God, you know I'm not a praying man. Not much of a believer, either. Tonight is changing me. If you will, please help us, Bart said. Amen, Ken responded. Cat, Bart yelled again. Cat felt a tug at her heart. She stopped short of the opening and looked back. Who's calling my name? I know the voice. I miss the person. Who are you? An overwhelming sadness blanketed her heart. Tears welled up in her eyes and streamed down her cheeks. Silly, no one else is here, Pet said. No one loves you like I do. No one will love you like the commander. Step in, Cat. Josiah, Elise, and Paul reached Ken and Bart. Bart, Ken, Paul called out. They turned, losing focus on Cat. When the group came together, an angel army appeared. Their blinding light shattered the darkness. The brilliance forced the hag trees to shrink into the ravine walls. Cat stood inches from the entrance to the cavern's opening. It's now or never, Ken lunged forward. Josiah jumped in front of Ken with the agility of a man half his age and grabbed Cat's arm, pulling her with all his might. Ken gripped her other arm. Cat's demon-possessed supernatural strength kept her in place. Josiah noticed her hand closed in a fist. Katrina, open your hand. No, it's mine. Katrina, dear, open your hand. Let me see what you have there. Elise cooed to the confused child before her. Where did she come from? For that matter, where did they all come from? Bart whispered to Ken. Don't know. Cat's soulless eyes sparked in response to her grandmother's voice. Grandma cupped Cat's head in her hand and lifted it. She looked Cat in the eye. I will not steal it or take it unless you allow me to. But let me see your new prized possession, my sweet one. Cat blinked twice and squinted at the woman before her. Her grip loosened around the rock. Gambosium materialized in front of the cave opening. He opened his leathery wings and flew at Elise Bricken. The crack shattered the ravine's silence. She is ours, 
His razor-sharp claws snapped open and he lunged at Elise's neck. Surround Elise Bricken, Uriel commanded his angel army. The angel army rushed to Elise Bricken and created a wall of light around her. Each angel pointed a fiery sword toward the starless night sky. Gambosian floated to the ground and snapped his wings shut. You do not belong here, he roared. We belong where the Almighty God sends us, Uriel replied. He leveled his sword at Gambosian. Gambosian extended his arm toward the sky. Crimson red sparks flew from his hand, and Ebony's sword materialized. The deafening clang of ethereal swords filled the ravine. Gambosian and Uriel shot up into the night sky. Thunder and lightning danced above the group as the battle continued. You are scaring me, Kat said. She stepped backward toward the arch. Josiah yelled, God help us. Our ways have failed, O God. You are our only hope, Paul said. Please, God, hear our prayer, Elise pleaded. Amen, Bart said. A frigid gust of wind blew up from the ravine floor. A voice, more of a growl, thundered. Leave here. This is my domain. You'll have all of us and more if we do, iconoclast, Josiah answered. Atromantus materialized, wrapped clawed talons around Cat's neck and squeezed. Leave or she dies now. Cat gasped for breath. Her hands flew to her neck, clawing at her assailant. Pet fell from her hand, bounced and stopped short of the archway. Paul picked up the sick, tarry thing Cat guarded a short while ago. He pulled a handkerchief from his back pocket and wrapped it up. Cat lost consciousness, limp in the clutches of the dark mist. A traumatist was so intent on controlling Cat, he did not see Josiah step backward through the archway into the darkness. Elise noticed and watched in horror as he disappeared. I have come to slay you, slayer of my family, Josiah yelled. I will deal with you later. A traumatist released Cat and flew into the blackness of the cave. The laughter rose, then a growl. I will send you to the abyss, Josiah threatened. Only silence came from the hollow. What are we doing here, Cat asked, rubbing her eyes like a small child waking up from a nap. Grandma grabbed Cat and pulled her close. Oh, my baby, my baby. Bart put his arms around both women and pulled them into a huge bear hug. He rested his chin on Cat's head and smiled. Ken stood back. I want to grab you, yell at you, then hold you forever. Paul, elated by the victory moments before, glared at the archway. I don't hear Josiah. I don't see him. Ken, Bart, and Elise turned to the cavernous hole. Cat snuggled closer in her grandmother's arms. The earth groaned and small rocks bounced to the ground. Now what? Bart's eyes grew saucer-sized as the arch shook and collapsed. A mountainous rock as tall as the ravine itself took its place. Where's Josiah? Cat asked. Grandma lifted her head, pointing with her chin to the boulder. Tears filled Cat's eyes. Crazy old man, she whispered. Crazy, but oh so brave, Grandma answered. Cat nodded, then looked at Ken. It was his voice that she heard above that beautiful music. Ken smiled. She smiled back, then put her head on Grandma's shoulder and sobbed. Epilogue. The legend sleeps. The tired group started the long walk up the ravine path. The loss of their companion weighed heavy on their hearts. Even in sadness, none of them could deny the gratitude they felt for Josiah Williams. What do we do with this thing? Paul unwrapped the handkerchief as he spoke. A small pile of ash lay in the arrowhead's place. He looked up in astonishment. Grandma smiled. 
burned the handkerchief past her. I believe Pet is no more. Ken wedged himself between Bart and Cat. I need to talk to you, Cat. Cat gave him a suspicious glance. In spite of her best efforts, her heart thumped a little faster, but she continued up the hill. The small assembly reached the top of the ravine as day dawned. The old hag tree stood ugly as ever. For the first time Grandma could remember, a small brown sparrow perched on one of its misshapen branches singing its morning greeting. Grandma smiled and turned to watch the small group she loved so greatly. Bart turned to Paul. So tell me about Jesus Christ, Pastor. Paul clapped Bart on the back. With pleasure, Bart, with pleasure. Ken stopped, turned Cat to face him, and held on to both her arms. Cat looked at him in surprise. I think I love you, Katrina Agnes Tovzlowski. Cat stood, unable to move, searching his face. Red crept up her neck. Don't use my middle name. Got it. You better. Anyway, your grandmother asked me if I was willing to die for you before I went into the ravine. She seemed to know the answer even before I, she asked it. And you know, I kinda, sorta, decided I was... Good to know, FBI. Cat punched him in the arm. Grandma Bricken came alongside Cat. Tell him you love him too, Katrina. You know you do. Grandma, Cat scolded. Well, Cat ignored the question. I've seen things I don't understand and can't explain. I need to figure out what happened to me. I think Pastor Paul knows. She looked at Grandma Bricken. I sure liked the old man. I miss him too, but he was a man of God and he is a man of God no matter what. Cat nodded. If her grandmother said those words a couple of days ago, she would have rejected the statement as foolish. Not now, she thought. Cat planted a swift peck on Grandma Bricken's cheek and rushed to the other side of Pastor Paul. Ken snapped his cell phone shut, walked up beside Grandma Bricken and took her arm. The chief okayed a few more days at the cove to wrap things up. Ken focused on Cat in the distance. It won't be easy to wrap up the case, but it'll be a piece of cake compared to getting Cat to finish our conversation, he thought. Not to worry, Kenneth. She'll come back to you soon. And when she does, you better be ready to take her on that cantankerous BC and all. Grandma Bricken wrapped both her arms around his forearm. Welcome to the family, Kenneth Melbourne. Welcome to Raven's Cove. Ken stared down at her and grinned. Welcome to Raven's Cove indeed, he said, squeezed her hand and led her down the hill. That was the end. I hope you enjoyed it. If you enjoyed this podcast, I encourage you to share it with others you think would also be interested. If you'd like to know more about me, go to maryannpoll.com and or authormasterminds.com forward slash m-a-r-y-a-n-n-p-o-l-l. Until next time, may the wind always be at your back, the sun on your face, and the good Lord walk beside you.